You're listening to Cornfield Theology, your favorite alternative to Fox News and CNN. <laughs> My name is Brooks. I am one of the hosts of this podcast, and we are here with our favorite nun from the Benedictine tradition. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> you know, I actually looked it up before we started just now to make sure it is. Yeah. And it is a thing. I can read to you about it if you want. Yeah, let's, well, let's let the listeners know. Okay, yeah. So Benedictine is a Catholic tradition yes. following in St. Benedict, and it's it's a monasterial tradition, and they have nuns so, and monks. Okay. okay, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a monks. No, they've got Dude. nuns. Okay, stand corrected. Yeah, and wh- which one of us got their master's in theology from a Benedictine seminary? You know, you know now that you're saying that, um, when I went to St. John's, they had a sister school called St. Benedict's. <laughs> Right down the road. So were they trained nuns? It yeah, was a nunnery. Yeah, yeah. Is it called a nunnery? Yeah. Is that offensive? I don't. I don't think so. Okay, great. I, but these days, who knows what's offensive? You know? I know. I was listening to the uh, Babylon Bee podcast, and oh, they had they're a, not offensive at all. They had a Mormon guy on <laughs> the other week, and they kept calling him Mormon, and then they kept correcting themselves, going, "Crap, we keep meaning to say Latter Day Saints, <laughs> but it's so long, and we're not used to it." Yeah. But anyway, so here we are, back with another episode of Cornfield Theology. Yep. What are we talking about today? Actually, uh, we have a letter from a... Yeah, one of our listeners. Listener. Yeah, we appreciate feedback, and we ask, we've we been asking the last few episodes that if you had uh, a question that you want us to address, go ahead and just put it in the uh, kind of online at redemptionhilldsm.org. Forward slash Cornfield yeah, Theology. And put it right in there, and we'll look yeah. at it. And right on the page where you're probably listening to this, yeah. or uh, where you clicked to listen to this. Uh, from social media there's a little form there and we'd love your questions comments anything you'd like to say to us you also can find us on podcast and google play is that what it is apple podcasts and google play yeah the links to those things are on this page too though awesome so i'm just going to sum up the letter unless you would like to do it no go ahead awesome so it was a guy that we both know i think but he wrote to us and said that he has been a member of a church for a few years he said that uh, there was some controversy in the church because of some pastoral failings, and he decided to stick with it and to stick with the church. Mm. Well, over time, they lost a lot of members because of that, and they became more and more seeker-sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so now he's wondering, you know, I'm here, I'm at this church, and, and he's about to go uh, and, and have to really make this decision. Yeah. So should he or should he not stay at this church, given that they are now very seeker-sensitive, or at least moderately seeker-sensitive, I think. And he sums it up by saying this, quote, I guess what I'm asking is, when do you leave a church, and when do you stay? What is a good reason for leaving, and what is a bad reason for leaving? End quote. Yeah, what um, a great question. What a hard question. So let me, me, before we get into kind of the content, um, in terms of answering the question for him, we just got to say in the front end, these are serious questions. And uh, whenever you talk about leaving a church, you need to do it soberly and with the utmost respect and thoughtfulness and prayer. You need to be praying to God for help and discernment into uh, making a decision like this. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight to it. And uh, I appreciate the question. Cause I, I, I mean, for honest, <laughs> for a moment, like you, as a pastor, you run into these questions all the time. Uh, people coming from a different church or there was a past hurt in another church and they're looking for a new church and they're processing whether they should leave or, um, you know, they're, they're thinking about all kinds of factors, all kinds of factors. And so uh, it's a relevant question, but I also think it's, it can be very gray, too, in the sense that because there are so many factors, 
um, that people are thinking through, it's hard to give like oh like a, a a bullet answer. You know, Here, yeah. here's what you need to do. Period. You know, it's it's not like that. Let me give some encouragement to the person who wrote this question, though. The fact that you're asking this is actually really yeah. encouraging to me because what I see very often, especially in this Western evangelical context, is that faithfulness to a church and indeed thinking of the members and other people at that church as your family who you're committed to is kind of lost on us. And you asking this question and really giving thought to it shows that you understand that this is a decision that you're going to have to make very thoughtfully and that when you're somewhere, you're committing to be there. Yeah. Asking this question doesn't show your lack of commitment. It shows that you are committed and that you're treating it you know, like I said earlier, soberly and with seriousness. Right. So glad we glad you asked the question. Yeah, glad you. we have the opportunity to try to answer it here today. And we're going to answer your specific situation, hopefully, and then also just talk about what are some good reasons and bad some bad reasons, reasons yeah. for leaving a church. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's start with some bad reasons to leave a church. Oh, yeah. There are bad reasons to leave a church. And uh, I mean, we come we came up with a few top of our head i mean the first thing you know when you get into preferences in a a church context right uh for example let's say your worship guy plays guitar but you're like you're all about the keys right i want keyboard i mean that's just not a good reason or whether it's you know super upbeat or not upbeat enough or musical preference is what you're saying is exactly and i'm just kind of put some color into it because you you think that's how sometimes people think (laughs) sure but however they would frame it in a way that makes it sound more spiritual yeah oh well the the music at this church i really don't connect with it it doesn't move me not as Yeah. yeah it's not as helpful for my walk with god yeah well i would say to you that that's probably not their issue. That's probably a hard issue that you yeah. could work on yourself. Yeah, that's exactly right. And a good point to add, kind of parenthetically, when we talk about music in a church, what you really need to be looking looking for more than anything is good theology in your music. I know it's kind of beside the point, but when when people that's that's one of the most common um, bad reasons people will leave a church. It's because of music preferences and then preaching as well, which we can touch on. Really, when it comes to music and preaching. You got to be looking at the theology more than anything else. Are they picking truth. songs that are worshipful? Are they picking songs that are theocentric? Yeah. Are they picking songs that are going to be preaching the gospel to one another? Yeah. That are going to be beneficial to each other's souls? Or so, and I know I don't, I don't mean to hate on like a lot of modern worship. I would right. prefer modern like what you hear on the worship. radio, maybe. Well, I would really not prefer that, but. <laughs> Because that's not good theology or good music. But I'm thinking, like, specifically if we're talking Hillsong or Bethel oh, or whatever, sure. I prefer their style of music. Yeah. But there are alternatives that in that same style that have better theology, uh, yeah. are, are more rich. Like, I, I really love Shane and Shane. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, thing, you know, their latest like Psalms that. album is fantastic. It is fantastic. The yeah. number one song, the not the number one, the first song on the album, yeah. uh, Is He Worthy? That is a fantastic song. I yeah. love it. You you mentioned the uh, the theological term theocentric. Now the alternative or the the other side of that is uh, kind of an anthropocentric um, way of singing music. Is right. it focused in on me or are my hands kind of like focused out in worshiping God? So theocentric means centered on God. Yep. Are they lyrics that are worshiping God that are giving Him uh, the credit for the majesty that yeah. He has? Or anthropocentric, which it's means man-centered. Me, 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 yeah. Is it glorying me? Is it oh, focused on me? And, uh, maybe we're getting on a tangent, but man, there's so much of that out there today. 
it is all about me and my feelings and it's in it there's no truth can i be real with you though uh, i you? see a lot of people who <laughs> yeah, sure. really hate on modern mu- modern worship music and say oh it's so anthropocentric like i flip through a hymnal yeah and there's a lot of the songs that are that same thing that are anthropocentric yeah. That are not theocentric, that aren't theologically rich. Yeah. I think that this has been a problem. Oh, it's a battle. That it's goes not back. a modern issue. No, it's not. And there's good music from every era yeah. of the church that we could we could dig into. Yeah. I love Ryan, but uh, not Ryan Bushberger. Ryan Anderson, who leads. <laughs> I forgot his name. The he's, name he's we threw guy. out the name. <laughs> Your point is, is that like, I love how he picks the music. Oh yeah, at our church, so that we have a mix of really good, worshipful modern songs and also really good, worshipful hymns. Yeah, and, which goes to show you, like the, the the controversy surrounding you know what kind of music you should pick is is not just this generation. It goes back. It's just sounded differently. So right. All this to say, yeah. don't let music preferences dictate where you go. If, to if it has drums or doesn't have drums, whatever, that should not dictate. Look at the lyrics. Is it theocentric? That's the most important part. Right. And then that, that's a good segue into another preference, which is preaching style. Yeah. Like, so that's that's difficult. You say preaching style, yeah. and there's one thing that in preaching style that is bad that you could leave a church over, and then there's another thing when you say style of preaching that I don't think is bad that you shouldn't leave mm. a church over. What do you mean by that? So if we're talking about preaching style and you're saying they're not preaching expository sermons. No, that's not what I mean. No. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Great, great clarification. When you say preaching style, what we're talking about is uh, the way that the pastor delivers his sermon. Yeah. Right. Do they sound more? It's the charismatic. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, uh, he's really charismatic. He really speaks to me. Kind of the same language that people will use with um, worship music. Right. And and but it lacks the preaching lacks substance. It's not expository things like that. And so and and, and let's be honest. I think I was going on after this a little bit yesterday in uh, a sermon at Redemptional Church. Like we have this celebrity pastor culture, right? The celebrity pastor culture that the the pastor almost becomes this cult figure, and and he's just he's no depth, no Bible. Doesn't even won't even bring the Bible to the stage anymore or whatever else have you. And no no theology, and that's dangerous. And so people people are attracted to that, right? They're like, oh, look, he's he's awesome. And look, he's wearing, you know, you want to you want to you want to wear skinny jeans? Fine. But he's like, he's got the skinny jeans on. He looks cool. He's hippie. He's trendy. Whatever. What? But what? You know, is he preaching God's word? You know something funny? It's on this topic. I took a class on sermon preparation. Yeah. And for my final, I had to record the sermon that I'd been working on through the class. And because I, t- I go to school online, I had to record it and the professor watched it and graded me on it. And the biggest comment he w- made was that I read the text and then I closed my Bible and put it away. Yeah. And he was like, never close your... I don't think it was a big deal, but yeah. I just thought it was really funny. He was like, never close your Bible and definitely do not put it away. I appreciate the emphasis though. I mean, it's a minor, it's a minor critique, but his critique is saying a lot about what he believes um, about the word, about the importance of the centrality the of the yeah. word in the preaching. preaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I appreciate the comment. So yeah, preferences of style. Like if your pastor is is uh, biblical and faithful to preaching God's word, but he's not the most charismatic dude in the world, that's cool. You know, let God's word impact your life, not the personality of a preacher. Now I'm not saying a, per- a pastor can't have a personality or a preacher can't have a personality. They should. That's good. God created each person differently. For example, at the conference that I went to a few weeks ago, we had a few different speakers who obviously had different styles, and one of them, his name was Crawford Loretz, he was a more charismatic, more uh, of the typical, like, 
yeah. John Piper ish. No, he's yeah. probably gonna hate that I said that. A <laughs> typical like just go get them type speaker. Yeah, fiery and and I loved it. That is the kind of preaching <laughs> that I resonate with. Yeah, and I was sitting there the whole time going, "This is fire." But then I sat down with a few guys later, and they were like, "Yeah, his content was good, but yeah. I don't know. I like I liked more of this other person's." who I felt was like a little more dry. And I was like, really? Well, it tells you something interesting. That, that's preference, right? Which is so, it's, I mean, it's a great example that we all can like listen to the same person, but are drawn to different personalities. And it, and it's important to get past that and just simply ask, what is the content here? What is the content of being said? Is it faithful to God's word? It's a good question, man. Yeah. Also, I just want to mention, I will link to Crawford Loritz's sermon from that conference in the show notes because it was really great. I would recommend you guys yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Speaking of recommending sermons that you listen to, I recommended my favorite sermon of all time, The Role of Desperate Prayer and Relenting Wrath by David Platt to Sean yeah. seven and a half months ago. <laughs> Have you listened to that? I will not confirm or deny it. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So what's another bad reason that we can leave a church? You know, I mean, naturally, because you have people who are sinners who are constantly working through stuff. You can have quarrels within the church, quarrels between church members. And, you know, sometimes there are conflicts that take place that can easily be resolved, but people choose not to resolve. And so they just kind of get up and leave, which is not walking out, say, Matthew 18, right? Um, if you have an offense against a brother, go and talk to him about it. And uh, instead of, look, you know, trying to fall through Matthew 18, it's easier, frankly, because some people just are not, don't enjoy conflict just to kind of pack up and go. So what we're saying here is that quarrels with other church members uh, is a lot of times sin on behalf of either you or the other member. Yeah. Most of the time, I would say sin on both of your behalves. And that should not be a reason that you leave the church. There are proper channels that the Bible gives to deal with that within the local church. I'm not yeah. saying just ignore it or that it's not important. But go through what you said, the Matthew 18 channel of go to a brother. There are steps, yeah. Say, this is where you've sinned against me. And and pray that they would yeah. repent and be restored to you. And then there's steps in that chapter given to escalate that if it's a if it's the right type of sin to go through yeah. the process. Yep. But we don't we don't want to leave an entire body of believers who we're committed to, um, who we give our gifts to, who need us, because of quarrels that we have with a member or a group of members in our church. Yeah, you know, can we hit something that was um, specifically addressed in that uh, that letter? And he, he, he specifically pointed out um, the church has gone seeker-sensitive. Now, I think we got to ask the question, like, what does that mean? That term, probably around the last 10 years, 15 years, kind of gets thrown around. It becomes a label that uh, some churches are identified with. And um, for some, it's a, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern. The church has gone more seeker-sensitive or whatever. And the question becomes, what does he mean by that? Um, what does he mean by seeker-sensitive? And so my point in saying all that is we gotta we gotta wrestle with what that means. What is seeker sensitive? And I think what what people mean when they use that language is that um, is a catering toward um, those on the outside. We're gonna do everything we can to get people on the outside into the church. We're gonna do everything we can. We're gonna put up the the bouncy house. We're gonna preach sermons that you know one of the complaints is lacks some theological depth. That lacks. Um, Sometimes open, not even opening the Bible. <laughs> Quick story. One time uh, I went, I was in seminary, and my wife and I were looking for a church. And then um, what particular church was recommended to us? And then so we drove 45 minutes to this church on the recommendation that a friend had given. And we, 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 we arrived, and people were loving and gracious. Um, 
but when the guy uh, got up to preach, he never opened his Bible, which is fine. Like maybe he's just doing everything manuscript and puts the scriptures in the manuscript. He didn't even quote scripture, not once throughout the entire sermon. And coming back after the fact, and or just thinking through after the fact, you just realize it was a, it's a more of a seeker sensitive model. We're going to get everything we can, do everything we can to get people on the outside in, and make it non offensive. Right, that's a big thing. Don't talk about sin. Um, that's, that's a word you want to leave at the door. We can we can use other words, maybe like brokenness or, or troubles or whatever. And those are fine words. I use those. I use that language at Redemption Hill. But to use the word sin, people back off on that in a lot of these so-called seeker-sensitive churches. Because they're trying to avoid offending people. Yeah. yeah. By the way, if we're talking about expository preaching and the importance of it, we had a podcast episode. I think it was our first or second one that we recorded. Yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes if, nice. if you want to uh, get the foundation for what we're talking about, why it's important to preach from the Bible. Yep. And I also, uh, just a plug for the sermon, I think I did a sermon on specifically on, specifically on expository preaching right when we uh, started Redemption Hill. Um, I just kind of identified that as one of the things that I wanted to be like, this is, this is what we're going to do here, expository preaching. We're going to preach from God's Word, so you can uh, go to the website and find it there. Yeah, figure out what expository preaching is, what we mean when we say that, yeah, and, yep. and listen to why and some we people, think it's yeah, important. Because some people might not know. Yep. So to the specific person we're talking about this, because if you wrote I said that word. So to the person who wrote us the letter, if your church has stopped preaching sermons that are feeding you the Word of God, then I would start to question, maybe I should consider going somewhere else. But if they're pre- if you're just not liking the preaching because it seems more like it's catered to people who are needing, as, as the author of Hebrews would say, milk rather than solid food, yeah, yeah. he may just be knowing his congregation, and you may just be needing solid food. Yeah. And you should stick with that congregation. Which is, this is leading us into, maybe there are some good reasons in which a person should leave, you know? Oh, there are many good reasons yeah, to leave the church. Think, let's talk about some of those. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, let's say, well, I'll let you start us off. Well, let's go with uh, bad theology, right? So uh, that's very broad. Yeah, so can I, can I share another story? Kind of a, I love stories. Uh, I love storyteller today. So uh, the, uh, bad theology can begin to take place in the church when there's leadership transitions. And so a quick story about kind of my past is, I was pastoring a church, I was new on the staff, and um, there was a leadership transition, I won't get into the details, but it became clear that the leader of that church had a completely different theology, not only of, the, of his predecessor, but of me. You know, I'm upholding the sovereignty of God, Reformed theology, Reformed soteriology, and he's preaching something different. Again, I'm not going to get into the details. Well, it became really clear to me, even though I was a pastor on staff, that I couldn't faithfully serve there. Uh, because of the sharp theological disagreements. And I'm talking about primary theological issues and, and definitely secondary theological issues where I, where I had to go. And, you know, it was a conscious issue, a conscience issue for me. And so that's, that's just one reason, you know. What's Can the, I give you, you actually just referenced something when you said primary and secondary issues. Yeah, yeah. What you're referencing is something that um, was origin, originated a f- about five years ago, probably by Albert Moeller. I'm sure other people have said yeah. something similar. But his concept was called theological triage, and it's the triage meaning three. It's the, the three levels of doctrine that we have. And this is something that's going to be helpful to you when you're evaluating whether or not you should stay at a church because you kind of fit uh, different doctrines into different categories. Yeah. So we have primary doctrines, and we'll link to an article on Southern Equip uh, about this in the show notes. But 
he talked about primary doctrines are the ones that are essential to the faith. They are yeah. orthodoxy. If you're going to be a Christian, we're talking like Nicene Creed type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Trinity. Yeah. Uh, sola fide, sola gratia. Those type yeah, of Reformation things. principles too. So the, the primary doctrines are the ones that you're going to have to hold to yeah. in order not just to be in the same church with someone, but to be considered in the same faith as someone. To say we're both Christians. Those are the primary doctrines. And they have second order doctrines, which he says are that those are the ones that are essential. And I'm quoting this here are essential to church life and necessary for the ordering of the local church, but which in themselves do not define the gospel. So they're things that... Like baptism. Like baptism, yeah, yes. Yeah. So the things that you need to be able to agree with the ch- local church on that you're attending, but mm-hmm. they're not necessarily things that are essential to the faith. Yeah, so Lord's table, baptism, I think sacraments, because we have a lot of affinity in terms of some of our theology with our Presbyterian brothers, right? But they're, you know, they're sprinkling babies, and you know we're, we're putting people all the way under baptizo. Anyways. And then you've got third or third or, third order. Tertiary. And then you have third order doctrines. And it says, quote, those are the ones which may be ground for fruitful theological discussion and debate, but which do not threaten the fellowship of the local congregation or the denomination. Yeah. End quote. So if you're asking, what's the, the, the bad theology is a reason to leave a church. Yeah. What bad theology? Because not all bad theology. I don't want to go, oh, I'm a non-millennial and these post-millennial jokers. <laughs> I'm not staying yeah. in church with these guys who think that the world's about to get a lot better before Jesus comes back. <laughs> You're not an optimist? What? <laughs> I I don't know. I'm kind of an optimistic Amil. Yeah, I am too. I was just having a conversation with a, another pastor friend uh, today. And we were, we were talking about how we're like, optimistic amils <laughs> that's an actual thing oh yeah i have a, i listen it's, it's, to it's like it's that. like like post millennials are like your cousins you know it's like you're kind of in the same family so. oh yeah i have a friend kenny ortiz yeah and he used to call himself post millennial and then he said that all the real post millennials keep telling him he was just an optimistic amil <laughs> and so now he clarifies that anytime he talks about yeah eschatology yeah, i get that Yes. But there are some doctrines that are second-order doctrines that you should leave a church over, and then there are some that are third-order that you know may be fun to talk about and fruitful even for your spiritual growth, but aren't necessarily things that are going to threaten your fellowship with the believers in the church that you're in. Yeah. So w- just give us some examples, and then maybe specifically relate it to the person who wrote us this letter. Of the theological triage here? Yeah, of things that we might leave a church over and then things that aren't as important. So I wouldn't leave a church over uh, kind of the aforementioned sacraments, right? Uh, Baptism or the Lord's table. I think you really got to pause and slow down about that. The the gospel isn't necessarily compromised depending on what view you have on that, especially in Protestant circles, right? Uh, Except if I believe they're saving me. Yeah, well, that's that's why I said Protestant circles. <laughs> that's different. When you get into Catholic theology, that's a whole other uh, ball of wax to, to Again, endeavor into. Our our uh, my favorite Benedictine nun here, trashing <laughs> on his own. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I'm trying to think of um, some some reasons not to leave. Um, well, I'll go back to my to my example earlier, my personal story. Like I was preaching the sovereignty of God one week, and the next week. It wasn't being preached. Like, that was a big deal to me. When it's confusing to the church members? Absolutely. I mean, there was no consistency uh, on a pastoral level. The, that's different if you're talking about, because well, yeah, you're a pastor, yeah, yeah. and pastors should have a more theological unity, I think, than is necessary for the members of Without the church. Without a doubt. 
So this is something I want to run by you. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the New Testament, I don't see a precedent of really leaving the local church for like a very wide range of theological issues. Typically, they just kind of held their theological differences to some extent. There weren't as many then because they were closer to, you know, the they they were closer to the teaching of the apostles. Right. But I think that they really just worked them out and had fellowship despite the fact that they had some disagreements. Yeah. And I think that's a category that, especially in our culture today, is oftentimes missed where we can disagree, right? Um, so at our church, for example, there's a guy who I love, but, you know, doesn't agree with some particular theological points that I hold and that the church is going to hold. Logan, regard, regard, the Arminian <laughs> intern. Regarding the uh, spiritual gifts, the Arminian intern, he's going to get you for that. <laughs> you know, regarding the spiritual gifts as an example. and uh, But I, I welcome that brother into the church and say, hey, you know, there's an exception here for sure, and we're going to note that. And there's a certain understanding like you don't, you don't teach against what's being taught by the church. This is kind of like what you said in the members meeting I didn't go to the other day. <laughs> but you know about it? But which I read uh, the paper for. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you can have theological differences with the pastors at our church and still be a member of good standing of something yeah. that you were teaching the other and, week. Yeah, I, and the other thing I, lo- I love about it from a pastoral perspective is that— um, I, I tell these folks who don't, you know, line up 100% with me or with the specific teachings that we're going to have as a church, let's continue to dialogue about these particular theological areas over time. And and a lot of times, at least for me, it's actually a really healthy, really good conversation. And over time, with some individuals, it kind of like the light bulb goes up. Ah, now I see what you're getting at. Ah, now I get See, that. this is very similar to a quote I heard from a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. They said, Arminians come to Boyce, but they don't graduate from Boyce. <laughs> sure. Because they become Calvinists. <laughs> similar to that in our church. You know, you may have some Arminians coming into our church. Yeah. For sure, no one's leaving an Armenian. Yeah, you're gonna hear. Yeah, you're kidding. gonna. Well, you're gonna. You can. You can continually be an Armenian. Yeah, but you can. I mean, you can come, and, and but we're gonna uphold the sovereignty of God. We're gonna uphold uh, Reformed soteriology. Um, those are non-negotiables. Not only on a you know, what you hear every Sunday and what we sing and what's uh, being preached, but also from our elders. Right. Uh, right now, I'm a solo guy, but Lord willing, in the future, there'll be a plurality, and there, you know, there'll be theological fidelity in that level. And so we, and that means we shepherd out of those theological categories as well, which is... So what are some other good reasons for leaving a church? Well, if you're not hearing the gospel at all... Let's get through all, these pretty quick also. Yeah. Not hearing the gospel at all is a <laughs> reason to leave a church. You know, I've had folks say, hey, you know, it's you know, come to your church and it's just not my jam, whatever. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, I, here's the first thing I tell them after I, that initial, you know, kind of discussion is my hope for you, my, my advice to you is... Go to a church where you do hear the gospel, where you do sing the gospel. Just do that. I mean, it, it's cool if God's not calling you here. I'm, I'm good. We had a guest at our church yesterday, and you and I were talking to him before the service, and he asked kind of, you know, what about us? Yeah. Who are we? What do we believe? And what was your answer? We're all about Jesus. You said, you said introduced to him the term gospel-centered. You yeah, said, we're yeah, a gospel-centered right. church. Yeah. And explain that that means that we believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, and we want to make that an integral part of everything that we do, from preaching to worship. Yeah, he's a nice guy, and I think he was a little shocked by the answer, because he didn't realize, he was looking for something a little more robust. And I'm like, nah, man, it's really that simple. Now, there are other things that go on, right? You can have programming, whatever else have you, but even through those program, you know, the programming through our Sunday celebration, it's all about the good news. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
period. There is. So what about, I have a question for you. Yeah. The people who left because of the pastoral failing in that church, was that justified, do you think? It depends. It really does depend. Because remember, um, the church community is more than just a pastor. It's just more than one one individual. And so um, you're part of a, of a larger spiritual family. However, it is, it is how do I say it differently? I have a hard time begrudging an individual who said they left a church because of the pastoral failing. Now, if that because person... It, it's totally understandable. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, my encouragement to that person who, who would leave because of that is go find another church with some of those you know, characteristics or values that I was talking about earlier, like gospel-centered. Don't, don't move away from that. You know, don't, let, don't stew in your, in your hurt that inevitably comes from a situation like that. But there, there will be times where people say, you know what, um, there was a pastoral failing. Now's not the season to leave. Now's not the time to leave. Um, we still think God is in this, and we're, gonna, we're going to see it through. And Lord willing, we see beauty from ashes, as it were. You know? So, uh, yeah, it can be for a reason for, for leaving for some. Again, you do it soberly. Um, but for others, you know, God might be leading them to stay. You know, when a pastor fails, it really creates a dysfunctional group of people in that in the church it, it it's, it's harder to to really recover from that which makes it more understandable for me if i we mentioned this as i talked to you a little while ago um but there's a book called the five dysfunctions of a team and in it patrick glinconi lays down that the most foundational of those is absence of trust yeah. and that leads to you know fear of conflict etc cetera, etc cetera, which leads to a, a dysfunctional team who uh, does not have results right. and when a pastor fails, there's just the absence of trust is completely broken. Right. There's yeah. going to be a complete lack of trust between, you know, well, first of all, it shouldn't, it's going to be more devastating in a church who the pastors elevate themselves as people who don't sin. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're just so far above and greater than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> then it's going to be a much greater fall when they do sin because the people really relied on them and, and yep. believed them to be more perfect than they actually are. But then when there's pastors who, you know, it, it would still, they have disqualified themselves from ministry, but it, but it has been consistently taught in their church that, you know, we're all sinful. Mm-hmm. Might not be as great of a, a break to the dysfunction of a team. I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah, no, that's good. I, there's, for, every, for each person or each, um, you know, family, it's going to be different in terms of how they process, right? You know, if you've, if you've been in like four churches and the pastor failed, you know, in some way, they've um, compromised themselves in some way, and this is like the fifth time, well, yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, other other people are gonna be like, no, we're gonna see it through. Like I was saying earlier, I had a, a friend who, um, he walked into a, a, a church as a pastor, following uh, another pastor who had failed and compromised his ministry and in his um, in his testimony, and and so, you know, I saw him though really um, care and shepherd for the church in amazing ways, where he brought healing to what was a really, really hard situation. And so that's an example where, you know, sticking with the church and staying ended up being really good for a lot of people because this guy brought leadership and uh, a shepherding heart that they had not experienced before. Like, ah, he is, you know, really caring for me in ways that I had never received before. And that was healing. So again, that's that's the other side here. It's uh, If you do stay, that, that's a possibility as well, Lord willing. Here is a, this is a good point uh, where we can sum up what we're talking about here. There are good reasons to leave a church. Some of those being that you have pastors who don't pastor, shepherds who aren't actual shepherds. Mm. 
you have them missing uh, primary or secondary theological points, doctrinal matters. Um, if they have, they're not gospel-centered. If they aren't willing to to really be real with sin, um, to deal with it when it's in the church in a in a biblical and gracious way, yeah. or to even acknowledge that it exists, and then there are bad reasons to leave a church, like personal preferences, yeah. uh, and so when it comes to style mm-hmm. or how things go, um, or quarrels with other members, you know. And, and so, for the person who wrote this, how would how would we, in the end, tell him? What would we say to him? Yeah, I think what I would say is, are there reasons to stay? I would start there first, because if, if our initial premise was true in that this needs to be a sober decision, you need to be thoughtful and prayerful, why would you stay? You know, Ask those questions and see what you come, with, come up with. Look for the good. Look for the good of what's going on in the church and say, you know, is God doing something here? And is he calling me here to be a part of <laughs> the good that's going on for the glory of God? So I, I would start there before working to the bad. Our propensity is to work toward the bad, right? Our sin causes us to move toward grumbling and, and uh, whatever else have you. And uh, that's what we need to resist. We need to resist the temptation toward that, and which is sometimes when we talk about the bad, it ends up being sinful in terms of how we judge. Begin with the good, look to the good, and then ask yourself, am I being, are there preferences in play here? Or are there legitimate concerns in which I need to wrestle with and that could eventually... Um, cause me to leave this church and look for another church, which would be, again, to those good things we talked about, like gospel centrality, expository preaching, worship focused on God. Awesome. All right, let's take a pause here, and we're going to move into Cornfield Cleanup. All right. We are back with Cornfield Cleanup and the worst transition I've ever heard from any podcast ever. Why is it the worst? Because we just, like... Abrupt. We'll be back. All right, we're back. <laughs> hey, we're taking off. Oh, we're here again. <laughs> For us, it's different because it's like at least 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, minimum. Yeah. Going back over it. But for you guys, it's half a second. Half a second at least. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I've been lobbying for like a transition song between the podcast and the cleanup. I think the listeners would really we need to get, want... And we need to buy a voiceover. Oh. We okay. need to buy like a... Thanks for that. I wonder if we get a volunteer to do that. Any of our listeners can do voiceovers? That'd hey, be awesome. if any of you have a good <laughs> microphone and a great voice, just record yourself going, and now, cornfield cleanup. <laughs> just like that. I've got, the, I've got the music to put over it. I've got a ton of stock music that I've purchased or have come and, you know, I've gotten over the years. Oh, so fantastic. Yeah, if you want to send us that. We will uh, be grateful. Yeah. Uh, what do we have for cleanup today? You know, I don't have anything in terms of like cleanup. Like uh, some of our past cleanups, we've had like uh, we're, we're quoting something and we got the wrong author, or, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, my my cleanup thoughts are more toward just bringing more clarity in light of the discussion. Like it was a worthy, worthy question. Like, should I leave my local church? And we kind of talked to more personally about Redemption Hill Church and just a few thoughts regarding that. You know, Redemptional Church, uh, we welcome everyone to come and listen and to hear the gospel and enjoy the community that Redemption Hill Church offers. So it doesn't matter what your theological beliefs are or lack thereof, right? Like if you're an atheist and you want to come through the door um, and and listen and hear the gospel, hey, man, that's that's exactly the kind of folks we want in. Um, but that's different than talking about like membership and then leaving a membership, you know, where you're deeply committed in the local church. And uh, you decided, you know, this is not my not my cup of tea anymore. This is not my jam. Those are the things that 
people need to be really thoughtful and sober about. And uh, you got to look at the things that we mentioned, like theology. Um, what kind of worship is it? You know, is it God-centered worship or man-centered worship? And so I, I just wanted to I provide a little bit of clarification regarding that because I think in the midst of the discussion, um, didn't want to leave anyone thinking, man, who comes to your church? <laughs> is it just you and everyone who thinks like you? Well, no, no, not at all. Not at all. We want um, diversity of thought and theology. You know, obviously I'm going to preach from a particular perspective. Yeah. I'd also like to mention that there are some points in this podcast where you might be able to hear construction noises in the background. (laughs) They're turning our cornfield into a parking lot. They sure are. So, sorry about that. That's like the city of Waukee. Yeah. Turning a cornfield into a parking lot should be their city motto. Oh, it's, it's like every half mile there's like... Oh, they're doing construction. Oh, they're doing construction. I've never lived in a place with more aggressive growth than this particular suburb. Right. It's just it's crazy. It's because of our church. Everybody's flocking here. <laughs> they keep hearing. <laughs> they hear our podcast. It's like, oh, we're gonna, gonna o- be with those we're guys. gonna open an Aldi. There's that that church down there the, with that podcast. <laughs> with that podcast. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, we're grateful for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we're grateful that you listen to us. Thanks that you let us be a voice in your life. Um, if you would leave a review on apple podcasts we would really appreciate it um otherwise we love your comments you can leave it in the comment of whatever social media you found this in or go to redemptionhilldsm.org forward slash cornfield theology we'd love to know what your thoughts are positive or negative and we'd love your questions if you want have a topic idea for us that we'd like to talk about because we want to make content that is useful for you things that you would actually like to know and and that you could um, use in your life so thanks for listening we'll see you in the next episode in two weeks peace in the middle east